DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents Discerning the Will of God, an Ignatian Guide to Christian Decision-Making, with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is a popular retreat leader, Ignatian scholar, and lecturer around the world. He holds a doctorate from the Gregorian University in Rome. He's the author of The Discernment of Spirits, Spiritual Consolation, The Examine Prayer, Meditation and Contemplation, as well as Discerning the Will of God, on which this series is based. He also can be seen on Living the Discerning Life on the Eternal Word television network. Discerning the Will of God, an Ignatian Guide to Christian Decision-Making, with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Father Gallagher. Thanks very much, Chris. In the conversations that we've been having on discerning God's will, in our last episode we spoke of how the Eucharist and in that encounter with grace can aid us. But there are many other spiritual means as well that are afforded to us in this growth in the spiritual life. The next one I think we'd want to mention would be the place of sacred scripture and praying with the Word of God in any process of discernment of any significance, really any process, but certainly when we're facing discernments of a major significance in our life. Uh, I'll just introduce this by remembering a conversation that I had when I was writing the book on meditation and contemplation, which is about St. Ignatius' teaching on praying with Scripture. These are Mm -hmm. things that we have gone through, I think, in other conversations. Um, A man whom I'll call Richard, just describing a very simple and very profound experience in his daily prayer with Scripture, praying with the encounter between Jesus and Zacchaeus, who's climbed up in in the tree to be able to see Jesus better as he passes with the crowd. And Richard finding himself in that Ignatian imaginative contemplative style, entering into the scene and actually taking Zacchaeus' place in the tree. And then sensing when Jesus stops beneath the tree and gives his full attention to Zacchaeus and then tells Zacchaeus to come down in in haste because Jesus is going to stay at his house this day. And joy wells up in Zacchaeus' heart, just stopping right there in his prayer at that moment when Jesus looks at Zacchaeus, or in the prayer is looking at him, Richard, with his entire attention given to him, all of the activity, the journey, the crowd for the moment, completely set aside, singly focused on Zacchaeus, and now on Richard as he also returns Jesus' glance, and the warmth and the welcome, and sensing as Zacchaeus sensed in that moment that Jesus simply wanted to be with him. It didn't matter what Zacchaeus had done and what kind of sinfulness and error there had been in his life. Jesus simply wanted to be with him and knew that simply by being together in this way that that Zacchaeus' heart and his life would be changed, as in fact happens. And as Richard talked about his prayer on this particular day, he, he just said that's where the prayer stopped. The rest of the time that he spent in prayer was simply receiving Jesus' gaze with that kind of welcome and returning it from his own heart. That comes to mind as I, that's holy ground, clearly. Um, It it comes to mind as I think about the place that St. Ignatius gave to 
praying with scripture whenever we're faced with an important discernment because I think you can see that if Richard or any one of us prays like this daily with scripture, we're going to be transformed. We're going to be getting closer to Christ who is the light of the world and inevitably then the light that we seek in discernment is going to grow in our hearts. This was actually the main thing that St. Ignatius had people do in his spiritual exercises as they approached the discernment. Just uh, mm-hmm. for most of the retreat, taking the Gospels and praying with them day after day, repeatedly. Uh, Jesus and his birth, for example, in Bethlehem, or the 12 years when he's lost in the temple, the wedding feast at Cana, the calling of the disciples, the Sermon on the Mount, walking on water, feeding the 5,000, the transfiguration, and so on through his passion and resurrection. And the grace that he has the person seeking discernment pray for as the person prays with Jesus in the Gospels is this. The person asks each day for intimate knowledge of the Lord. That's more than the kind of knowledge that can come from reading spiritual books, which is a wonderful thing to do. But this is even deeper. Uh, Certainly we'll be nourished by that kind of reading, but this comes from prayer. When a person does what Richard did on on that day and was doing daily in his life, just spending time with Jesus as we receive him in the Gospels. Intimate knowledge of the Lord so that I may love him more. Um, As we do that day by day, and those of us who do try to pray daily with Scripture know how true this is, that, that our love for the Lord grows. It's quickened. There's a new richness and energy and life to it intimate knowledge of the Lord so that I may love him more and follow him more closely. And that's where this kind of prayer ultimately leads. That that kind of intimate knowledge, that kind of growing love awakens within us the capacity, the desire, and the clarity to follow the Lord more closely in our lives, which is what we're seeking in any discernment of the will of God that we face. So the, all of this is a way of saying that if any one of us is facing a discernment in his or her life and is seeking light from the Lord, they will find enormous help in trying to build ideally daily prayer with Scripture into their lives. If it's 10 minutes, if that's all we can do, praying with the reading through the daily readings from the Mass and some kind of reflection on them, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, a half hour, more, whatever we find we're able to do. Perhaps some days in the week we can do more than than others. What will happen then is that we will be drinking in the person of Christ. As Ignatius says, we'll be getting to know him. We'll, We'll get to know his way of being. We'll get to know his choices, his preferences. And as we drink that in more and more deeply, our hearts are being prepared to discern. Father Gallagher, I'm recalling the teaching of Pope Benedict XVI, and in particular as he was exhorting the Church in its approach to the year of faith and the new evangelization, that contemplating Scripture, meditating with Scripture, was so key to really allowing God to reveal himself even more fully to us, but then also in that response we then reveal ourselves to him. That's how the, um, the spiritual masters have always talked about praying with Scripture. I think we may have talked about this before, that phrase of prayer as conversation with God. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. But and this is exactly how it works, as uh, exactly as Pope Benedict says, when we read slowly, reflectively, meditatively, the Word of God, God is speaking to us. And what will happen as we do that, like with Richard, to use that example again, but those who pray with Scripture will know this from their own experience. At various points, as we read that Word and bring it, take it into our hearts, different points in that Word speak to us. Our hearts are touched, desire grows, there's a sense of peace, a sense of clarity, a sense of closeness with the Lord. And then our hearts begin to speak to the Lord. And mm-hmm. it's in that, that's what we really mean when we speak of conversation with God. And that's exactly what's happening, that double dynamic of God speaking to us through his word. And then as we pray, our hearts speaking in response to God. And as we do that, sure, everything grows. Faith grows. We become equipped to be better evangelizers. And in terms of the specific topic that we're speaking of uh, right now, we become prepared to discern with a whole new clarity. We, we, mm. Because we're so used to hearing the word of God as we're doing this daily, then when God speaks his word to us in answer to our question in discernment, we'll, we'll be ready to hear it. Um, because our hearts are so familiar now with the voice of God, with the way God speaks. Now, linked with that is um, immediately another one of these means, inseparable from the uh, praying with the Word of God, and that is silence. I think if if people know anything about St. Ignatius' spiritual exercises, they know that a person, when a person makes the entire retreat, a person spends a whole month in silence, which seems kind of daunting. When people make eight-day versions of this or three-day versions, it's always a given that these retreats are going to be in silence, which immediately says that for St. Ignatius, when a person is facing a discernment of any significance, the person simply is going to need spaces of silence in his or her life. Because what we're trying to hear in discernment is what Scripture calls the still small voice, from the passage in uh, the book of Kings when Elijah is on the mount and then the wind comes and then the fire and then the earthquake, but God is not in any of those. And then comes that still small voice, just a tiny whisper of air, and immediately the prophet knows that the Lord is present. He hears the Lord's presence in that still small voice. But if we want to hear a still small voice, we need silence. Otherwise, we'll never be able to hear it. There is a line in the 19th century Danish theologian uh, Soren Kierkegaard that has always spoken to me when this question of silence comes up. When Kierkegaard, who says things with such energy, um, says, if I were a doctor and I were allowed to prescribe only one remedy for all the ills of the modern world, this was in the 19th century, I would prescribe silence. And he goes on to say that if the word of God has to be shouted in order to be heard, then it's no longer simply the word of God. And then that leads him to the imperative. Therefore, he says, create silence. Create silence. And in a culture of email and texting and Twitter and tablets and Facebook and smartphones and all the rest, that becomes increasingly important. Uh So... The question then would be is the question is not whether we need silence if we want to discern, but because that's simply um, an indispensable condition for discernment. The question is really how do we create that kind of silence in our daily life? 
And this is where I think all these different spiritual means work together in a complementary way. If we're spending time before the Blessed Sacrament in prayer, if we're spending time in our rooms or wherever we're able to do it in prayer with Scripture, periods of silence are coming into our lives. One of the best ways that we can create periods of silence in our life is to build time for daily prayer. Obviously, in keeping with our vocations, it's very different for a person who is retired and a mother who has three young children. Obviously, all of this has to be built into the um, conditions of the state of life to which God has called us. But all of us can search for those times. It might be praying the rosary. Uh, it might be as simple as not having the radio on or the cell phone in the car when I'm driving, mm-hmm. driving home from work. There are many ways of, uh, of doing this. One of the things that struck me when I was interviewing uh, a good number of people whose stories are recounted in the book I wrote then on discerning the will of God was how often, almost inevitably, as people would share their stories of discernment, at some point they would say, then I made a retreat. And uh, your heart kind of lifts up when you hear that because good things always happen in discernment when we get those longer spaces of silence. It might be a day of retreat. For many, it's a weekend of retreat, a Friday evening through a Sunday afternoon. Some people can make longer times of retreat or even the, the Ignatian spiritual exercises over a period of months by spending an hour a day in prayer and with regular guidance as one goes through that. If any of us is facing a discernment of importance and doesn't feel that he or she yet has the light that he or she needs, then it might be well to consider the idea of making a retreat. There are good retreats out there. And when all is said and done, that's what St. Ignatius' spiritual exercises are. They, they are a retreat. The saint knew that these were the ideal circumstances in which to search for God's will. Finally, St. Ignatius invites the person discerning to what I'll call a review of spiritual experience, because so much is happening each day in our hearts and in our thoughts as we live our spiritual lives, in our work and involvement in the world, times of prayer and the rest. If we can learn to be attentive to that experience and begin to understand what is of God and not of God in the different stirrings and thoughts that go on in the course of the day, that will be an enormous help for discernment. I don't think that I need here to say an awful lot more about that because uh, Mm -hmm. an earlier series of our conversations on the examined prayer where we went into this in some great um, depth. But I, I will say simply that learning the examined prayer and building that into our daily lives will be enormously helpful if we are seeking to discern God's will. Basically, the examined prayer is a prayer of reviewing spiritual experience in the course of the day. We'll return to Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. This is Chris McGregor. The work of Discerning Hearts could not continue without your prayers and support. Please consider making a tax-deductible gift. Click Donate at either DiscerningHearts.com or inside the Discerning Hearts free app. Your generous support will allow us to continue our podcast for those on the discerning journey. Thank you and God bless from all of us at Discerning Hearts. Hi, this is Chris McGregor of Discerning Hearts, which is a 501c3 fully tax-deductible nonprofit organization dedicated to evangelization and spiritual formation through the use of new media. 
Discerning Hearts creates engaging multimedia specializing in podcasts and radio broadcasts. Faithful to the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church and its rich, authentic spiritual tradition. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to support our efforts. We charge nothing for any of the programs that are available on Discerning Hearts, and our outreach is literally to the world. Please tell a friend about Discerning Hearts and either download our free apps, which are available at iTunes and Google Play stores, or visit discerninghearts.com. Anima Christi, soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O good Jesus, hear me. Within thy wounds, hide me. Suffer me not to be separated from thee. From the malignant enemy, defend me. In the hour of my death, call me, and bid me come to thee, that with thy saints I may praise thee, forever and ever. Amen. We now return to Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher. It's always um, amazing to me, Father Gallagher, that even for myself, that there are times when I think, oh, I'm too tired to pray or I can't find time for that silence. And yet I'm able to find time to do so many other things. This is probably one of the most important things that we can do because it will affect all the other areas of our lives. It can feel like a real challenge, can't it, you know, to, uh, yep. to find times of silence. I'm thinking of a woman who told me that she would stop in church to pray for maybe about 20 minutes before going to work. Uh, and she said that was the only silence she had throughout the entire day. And there may be some of us who could wish even to have those 20 minutes. Um, I remember... Um, a mother of young children telling me that she would at times just go in the bathroom and lock the door because that was the only way she was going to get any silence at all in, in the course of the day. I remember Father Benedict Rochelle in one of his talks discussing this point and speaking of people who live in Manhattan with all the noise and busyness and mentioning things as simple as an elevator ride you know, for a number of floors and just the brief period of silence that's there and how when the noise and the buildings and the bustle of the city surround us, we can always, the sky is always there. You know, we can always look upward or be on a roof in the large city. There are many ways in which we can look for even small times of silence in our lives. And if we do that, it's going to make a real difference. But I I said that this can be a real challenge because there's more involved in this than just busyness. This mm -hmm. gets into something quite deep, actually. Why is there so little silence in our culture? We have more time-saving devices than any culture ever had. You know, to get things done, we've got microwaves and vacuum cleaners and the rest. Why is there so little quiet and, and silence in our lives? It gets to... But in um, another one of my books, the one on discernment of spirits, I call the courage to be spiritually aware. Mm -hmm. We can be afraid of silence, um, mm -hmm. especially in a culture that doesn't really know that there's a Savior who has loved us to the death 
and in whom there is healing from all the woundedness and hurt and fear that is within us. To be silent can feel like stopping and being forced to face all of that inner woundedness and fear and struggle and pain. It's so important to come to know the Lord Jesus, to come to know the Savior, because then everything can begin to change. And then we know that silence, far from simply mean, meaning having to face pain, means encountering a Savior, encountering an infinite love. So there's nothing really simple, I would say, about seeking silence in our lives. You know, I often, over the years, have led and do lead eight-day Ignatian retreats. And you, you, you see something happen in silence in kind of an accel accelerated form in those retreats that also will happen at a slower pace, but very, in a very similar way in daily life. That is, people enter that kind of retreat. We're all busy. There's a certain tiredness. And it, it feels daunting to suddenly stop talking and to be in silence. And there can be a bit of a struggle in the first few days, especially of the retreat. And it feels like a kind of discipline that we have to, um, to take on. But as people faithfully enter the silence and don't try to mitigate it in any way, something starts to happen. The silence becomes easier and then it becomes increasingly welcome. And then it becomes a uniquely rich space in which the times of prayer in the course of the day of the retreat become spaces in which it becomes easier and easier to hear the Lord and to be loved by the Lord. And there's always a certain sense of regret when the retreat ends and the silence ends. There's something that becomes very pure and very rich and deeply spiritual about it. If we don't have much silence in our lives, and if in wise and appropriate ways that are suited to the duties of the state of life to which God has called us, we begin to look for those, those times of silence we'll find something of the same happening. It will be a bit of a struggle at first, perhaps. But as we do that week after week, month after month, year after year in our lives, that silence will grow increasingly welcome to us and will increasingly create a space in which we will hear the Lord. I remember reading in the life of St. Marie of the Incarnation, a Canadian saint, that when she was still in France as a young girl, she remembered watching her mother when she was working in the kitchen and her mother thinking herself, unobserved, was praying as she was working. Her hands were busy, but her young daughter could see her lips just gently moving in prayer as she went through that work. That's the kind of search for, for times of silence which is possible to us all and which begins to transform things in our lives. If I were a doctor, I could uh, provide only one remedy for all the ills of the modern world, Kierkegaard says. It would be silence. It really does make a difference. Well, at this point... In our preceding conversations and today, we have discussed what St. Ignatius gives to us as a help to prepare for discernment. We clarified the question, we looked at the foundation, we looked at the disposition of heart, the availability that we need, and we've just looked at the various spiritual means which are at our disposal. Now we are ready to face what is probably the question most people have when they pick up any book on discernment of spirits or listen to a conversation like this. And that is, how will I know that I've heard God's voice? In the choice that I'm facing, I'm trying to use the spiritual means. I find that my heart is growing increasingly disposed and ready to accept whichever option the Lord will show me that he wants. I'm in the process. I'm doing the preparatory steps. But how will I know 
that I have now heard God's voice with sufficient clarity so that I know that God wants this choice in my vocation or my career rather than the other, for example. That's the question that we're now ready to face. The one thing we do know, Father Gallagher, is the Church is very clear that we're all called to holiness. And so we want to respond and be able to live that out, and our vocation helps us to really respond to that yearning in our heart to do the Father's will in vocation. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's what the Church calls the universal call to holiness. Every one of us is called to holiness. Uh, It's not just the priest or, or the religious. It's every one of us in every vocation, priest, religious, and laity. And we're all in common called to be saints. We're all called to be holy. That's our universal call. That doesn't need to be discerned. That just needs to be lived. Uh, That's a lifetime. But that's very important, I think, to restate that because that is the universal vocation. We all have that vocation in common. But as you say, Chris, within that universal call to holiness, there is a call to different states of life. And this is where the questions of specific discernment uh, enter in. So the Church speaks of these different states of life, the the principal ones being marriage and then celibacy for, for Christ and for the sake of his kingdom, priesthood and religious life. Now, I'm going to say religious life. There are other forms of consecrated life, as the Church calls it. Um, there are secular institutes and ways of living even individually within the world the the consecrated life. There are a number of forms of consecrated life. I'll just speak of religious life because that's probably what most of us are are thinking of when we think of this call to celibacy for the sake of Christ and his kingdom, priesthood or religious life. Now, of these two states in life, marriage is, as the Catechism says, a vocation that is written into our human nature. By the very nature, the Catechism says, of man and woman, as they come from the hand of God, the vocation to marriage is is written into us. So that all men and all women have a natural desire for marriage, to love and be loved by a spouse, and to be fathers and, and mothers. Well, Father Gallagher, those are two very large topics for a discussion, but I'm afraid it's going to have to wait till the next time we meet. We'll pick it up next time. You've been listening to What Am I to Do? The Discernment of God's Will in Everyday Decisions. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to support our efforts. But most of all, we ask that you tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for What Am I to Do? The Discernment of God's Will in Everyday Decisions with Father Timothy Gallagher.